You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. On cold calls, don't give a lot of information. But but anyway, um, so I walked in, he looked at the first you know, bored, whatever. He said, why did you move to Denver? And I said, oh, you know, uh, the beautiful mountains or whatever. And he's like, he looks at the second board. And he says, well, do you know how many photographers uh, have a business license in the Denver County? And I said, no. He said, over 2,000. So what he was telling me was that there was a lot of competition, young man. And why do you think you can make it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, whatever. And then he got to the fourth board and he said, I got some advice for you. And I'm like, what? And he said, I think you should move back to Tucson. And I remember I had 35 boards. I scooped them all up, put them in the case, walked out and I hit that pavement and I had a lump in my throat and tears in my eyes. And I got in my little Volkswagen van and I, it was only about it four or five minute drive to back to the studio and I was just dejected I, I would draw the whole way I was driving I said I'm done I can't do this I'm you know and my dad was a fireman he ended up fire chief of Tucson I had two brothers that were firemen and my dad always said son you know you should be a fireman it's a secure job you know and I my my, my line was always dad I'm, I'm gonna go chase my dream Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 210 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Going great, Val. How are you? Good. There was a bit of a pause there. Did you have to think about it? No, I didn't. I, <laughs> I know. I'm going well. <laughs> That's good. Um, I understand you have been busy spending money on the internet. Is that right? Uh, and you don't do that after hours. When's your? Uh, when are your uh, most frequent purchases after midnight? Uh, I do do some after midnight. I suppose yeah, around the eleven thirty mark is seems to be the time that I do it. I spent yeah quite a bit night before last on some on a few things, a few creative tools. But what did you spend money on? Well, I think the thing that's really good in um, for Australia now is like we used to – there used to be a huge difference in price between buying products in Australia and – or buying them uh, online and getting them delivered. But that, that mm. that's starting to be a lot more even now. So I wanted to – I was getting a bit frustrated with when I was uh, traveling and using speed lights because that's how I like to work with my portraits, just mm. that um, the flash wasn't quite – just wasn't quite enough. So I wanted to get a next size up in flash. And I keep hearing this thing about this – This it's it's a budget light, but people are raving about it and this mm. is not – this is not an ad, by the way. This is I not went an ad, not paid sponsored. my own money for this. Paid money. Because people kept saying good things.
things about Godox and uh, I went out and bought a Godox to the next size up in um, Speedlight and it's the Godox AD200 and so it's a 200 watt second flash compared to 80 watt seconds which is uh, say my Canon or a Yongnuo Speedlight and Val, it's fantastic. Right, fantastic! Really? I'm so right. I'm actually right. going to do a mastermind after we record this, and I'm going to go in depth and do a breakdown uh, on that. But just for the listeners, it's um it's fast. It's got a like a little lithium battery that goes with it. I've got an adapter that I can use all my Elenchrom um, modifiers with it. I used it on a shoot yesterday, and right. uh, it was beautiful and easy and fast very very happy Val very happy with it and so now and the build is really good too surprisingly I thought it'd be like uh cheap crappy plastic not the case it's like solid uh it feels good it's easy to use uh I'm in love and now I'm actually looking at the next size up there's another one just because it's you throw it in your bag, it's so so handy for my workflow for those little single uh, travel portraits that I do and things like that. Fantastic! So very happy with my 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 purchase there. Wow. Okay. So we'll put yeah yeah definitely we'll put the details in the show notes, which of course you can find at ginamilicia.com. That's M I L I C I A. So you're now a fan of Godox of this mm. new uh, of this new light um and uh that's pretty cool okay i'm looking at a photo of it and it's looking very nifty indeed very compact as well it's very sexy it's roughly when you because it's got uh, the photo i've uploaded has got the adapter on the front but when you take take that out the the unit itself it's the same size as a speed light a little bit heavier but same size so you could you could put it in your pocket if you had fat pants on, you know, the, not 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 your, not your skinny pants. jeans. It wouldn't fit like, into your skinny jeans, but the, no, you but know, you've the, got those. You've got those poo catcher. The poo pants. catcher pants. You love those no poo problem. catcher pants. You could fit probably a a, a family into those pe- pockets. The poo catcher pants. Yeah, yeah. definitely. No okay. Problems. Well, anyway, we want to also moving on from the Godox light. We want to welcome. There have been. There has been a flurry of new members into the gold community, and so we want to welcome each and every one of you. Uh, make sure you browse around and have a look at uh, all of the stuff that's available to you. Um, there's the private Facebook group that you can ask questions to myself and Gina, and it's just such an awesome community to be in. And if you're interested in finding out more about the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. 
In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls, and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so we have a special guest today, don't we, Gina? Yes, I'm very excited about this special guest and yeah. you would have heard the uh, little teaser at the start of the show with a little segment of the uh, interview I did with Joel Grimes. Now, before I start, it's been a while, Val. I'm going to start with a quote because this oh. is appropriate for this okay. for this. Um, interview here. So you ready? Yes. <laughs> I, can you be a bit more excited when I say I'm going to start with a quote? <laughs> Do tell, It's exciting. All right. I'm so, so excited. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, and the great teacher inspires. And that describes Joel Grimes. He's a great teacher. He inspires. And uh, you'll find that in in this interview and for the last uh, 10 years since I first discovered him. Now, in case you're living, you've been living under a rock and you don't know who Joel Grimes is, firstly, I hope highly recommend you maybe if you can if it's at all possible to go and jump on his website uh before you listen to this interview i think it's a great idea to check it out and have a look at his work because it's amazing i first discovered joel's work back around 2007 2008 and i can remember the day like yesterday so his style just stood out to me i hadn't seen anything that looked like his work and He's not only a great teacher, but he's also uh, an, an authentic and inspiring. But Joel knows his stuff. He's worked for 30 years uh, in the as a, a professional advertising photographer, professional commercial photographer. So he knows his lighting inside out. He's photographed thousands of people and uh, and he's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. And so in this interview, we talk about a lot of stuff. We cover a lot of ground, but we also talk about how he recovered from a major rejection, like very early on in his career that almost made him want to give up and what it was that that turned him around and, and made him keep going and going on to become the uh, the superstar that he is today. And he talks about being a rock star in the advertising uh, industry. And then he lost his home, fell, and he had to reinvent mm. himself. So that was like around wow. the recession, 2007, 2008. So, and he also talks about his style. For those that, that know his work, they know his lighting style, the special three light uh, style that he he developed. So he talks about how, the process that he went through to discover and develop and hone that style. And also there's heaps more, but also um, Joel is very, 
very big on self-assignments, shooting folio, and he often does like maybe 50 a year. So he talks about like just how much of his time and money he invests in doing that, and that's why he's become one of the, one of the best, greatest photographers in the world. So uh, shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Let's have a listen to Joel Grimes. Joel Grimes, welcome to the show. How are you going? Well, thank you. It's great. Uh, I always like to talk about what I love to do. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, I do like your your work is amazing. And what I want to know, my, but first of all, where in the world are you? Where are we talking to you from? Well, I uh, am in uh, outside of the Phoenix Valley. We call it Phoenix Valley. It's a big metropolitan area. Uh, so in a suburb, it's called Buckeye. It's toward uh, the L.A. As you're moving out of Phoenix, you go toward L.A. Um, and we're in a community called Verado. So um, it is, of course, one of the hottest times of the year. So we're all sweating like, uh, well, there's a good thing there's a pool because that's yeah. what you always end up doing. You jump in the pool, cool down. Is it a dry heat there? It- uh, normally it is, but we have – this is monsoon season, and yeah. so – there's a little bit of a time period where you get that stickiness, and we're not used to the stickiness. Usually, it's pretty dry. Yeah. So definitely, uh, I feel like I'm in Florida. Right, and then that's pretty oppressive there. Um, yes. It, a beautiful part of the. How far are you from the actual desert? How far do you have to drive before you get to that beautiful desert around there? Um, about five feet. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> how amazing! We live, you're so we lucky. Live yeah, surrounded by swirl cactuses, and we're in the White Tank Mountains. Um, well, now, there's a golf course behind us, but you see all the cactus around the golf course, and then, of course, the mountains are right there. And so, I, in fact, I did a tutorial on on a cactus, kind of a strobing cactus uh, shoot, and it's just like literally a couple hundred yards from my house. So, so, so cool. All right, so first question I want to ask you is I want you to – Talk to me about that first moment that you decided that you wanted to become a photographer. What was that like? What happened? What inspired you to do that, to make that decision? Well, there's two uh, sort of points in history of, of you know that, that I can go back to that sort of um, I can recall that unbelievable I want to do this uh, moment. And the first was I was a freshman in high school, so I was about 14 years old. And um, I remembered when I was in, when you're in grade school, you do art projects. Mm. And I always wanted to spend all day doing art projects, but, um, you know, but those were special days. I couldn't wait to have art projects. And then um, when I was uh, uh, in seventh grade, we, you actually had an elective, an art, you know, an art class. And of course I signed up for that. And, uh, that was amazing. Uh, so then when I, by the time I was a freshman in high school, I had, I think it was six electives. And it was short, little, like couple weeks long class. You do, you do um, drafting. You did printmaking. You did photography was one of them. I think you did uh, sheet metal, uh, a shop. Um, there was like six of them, maybe right. working or whatever. And so you start out, I don't remember what the first one was. And I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of fun. I love working with my hands and, 
you know, tinkering, whatever. But when we entered the photography class, I remember thinking, this is something amazing. I, I was like, I, I, could, I could do this. Now, I was not very good academically in my classroom. You know, I was a, barely a C student. Right. And I don't, I don't know how they grade in Australia. But Same. That means, yeah. Uh, and I, I always make a joke. I used to, I used to say, one, one, one day I got a C on my report card and I got so excited. <laughs> so <laughs> I was always looking out the window. I was involved in sports. And so I kind of had my, I guess you'd say, your identity in sports. It was not right. in how well I did in the classroom, that's for sure. So you were one um, of the jocks at the school, is that right? You were well, like the- I, yeah, yeah, I guess you'd say that. And um, when I look back, uh, I, I, look, I wish I'd go back in time because I sure looked a lot better than I do now. But um, uh, so, but when I entered into that class, uh, photography class, I remember thinking, this is sort of a balance between you had to learn f-stops, shutter speed. So there was some academics that I had to learn. Yeah. But then there was all this hands-on. So it was kind of like this middle of the, the you know, between two worlds that I thought, you know, I, I could do this. And, I you know, I knew that I had to learn, you know, well, back then it was ASA. So it's ISO, the sensitivity yes. of your film, f-stops, shutter speeds, and, you know, how to make a good exposure, all that stuff. And so I... um also got eventually I got on to the um, yearbook staff, so I was I uh-huh. was taking a camera to all the the games, football games, volleyball games, and shooting uh, different people doing stuff, and and so I thought that was really kind of fun going around and and but here's the thing, I looked at photography at that time as a way of documenting the world around me, so. I go on a backpacking trip and I would take my little camera and I would take pictures of the waterfall and, you know, the cliff we had to climb up and down, you know, and we'd all stand in front of the camera and we'd look kind of gruff and scruffy and, you know, it was like, ah, that was so much fun. Right. So then I graduated from high school and I took my first uh, photography class in college and there was a professor, his name was Lou Bernal, and Probably the most inspiring person I've ever had in terms of a teacher. And he changed everything for me. So I was still interested in photography. Mm. But he said, photography is not just a way to document the world around you. It's also an opportunity for you as an artist to express what you have inside of you. It's an outlet for being an artist. And I remember sitting in that class, my jaw literally hit the floor and I (laughs) That's what I want. I want to be an artist. Ah. And, and I remember from that moment to this day, I've never, ever given up or changed my mind that this is what I want to do. And I spent, that's 40 years ago. Yeah. And so I've been cranking it away, putting in 10 hours, 12 hours a day doing this. And um, I couldn't imagine me, me doing anything else. So I'm in, I'm in the best of the, you know, what I've, I've, I'm doing what I love. It's fantastic. And teachers have can have such an impact on a student in that way. So he's this one person that that 
spoke the language that you needed to hear as as this kind of jockey student and it could have been someone standing in front of that class that delivered photography as a very dry kind of um you know this is an f-stop this is and didn't say the right things to you but here's this person that inspires you and uh you become and you describe yourself not as a photographer you describe yourself as an artist right and you always have well, I mean, at that point, I realized that that's what I inspired to be as an artist. It took me a long time before I let go of my identity as a photographer. And so that happened. Um, so I guess you say there's three points of, 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 of moments in history where I think I had quantum leaps mm. forward. And the other was when digital photography came along. And I'd already been working with commercial shooting ad campaigns, you know, doing what I love and, and everything. And if you asked me, you know, if you met me on an airplane, you said, hey, Joel, what do you or what do you do for a living? I'd say, well, I'm a photographer. Right. You know, and um, so when I first started doing my composites, this is about 10 years ago. So this is like two, 2008, 2000. Seven, something yeah, like that. Six, you started yeah, six, doing seven, that, yeah. Six, so, seven, eight, did yeah. you embrace digital in two thousand when it first happened? Were you did you jump on quickly, or were you one of the reluctant ones to? Well, at, at first, I was more reluctant because I loved film. I was like, why, why digital? And at the time, digital was not really no. at the quality that I was used <laughs> to, you know, outputting. And so, I, I kicked and screamed a little bit. But then, once I I realized the, the when the quality came up. But I realized what I could do with with this new tool. Um, it changed, you know, it changed my mind. And but it, but I was just shooting digital, like I would shoot, you know, film to the most, except for I would do layers. I, I would do like a an exposure for the highlights and exposure for the um, for the dark shadows. Yep. And and then I would kind of blend them together. And then of course HDR came along, and that yep. that gave me another option. Um, I started stitching and everything, but it wasn't until I started doing composites and I was like, I, I was using and doing these big ad campaigns and the budgets in 2006, seven, eight, they mm. came to a end. I mean, we're talking overnight, they turned the faucet off. And so I remember- yeah, just, just going back to that, 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 that time, something else happened as well with like, so you were in the middle of that, that, that's when the, um, the whole, uh, recession hit in the States and yep. so you you you're this rock star commercial photographer. You're traveling the world, and we're talking big, massive budgets that you're getting. So you would have had the whole, like the assistants, the studios, and everything, and and the house, and and everything. What happened to you? Like, uh, well, so just just try this for for, <laughs> for try losing ninety percent of your income, and one I, you know all of a sudden in one year you're down to ten percent of what you were making the year before. That's, That's scary. what happened. It's it, very scary, and you, then you go and you rely on your reserves and your you know your savings and your retirement, and and then we put our house on the market and oh. we sold it for fifty cents on the dollar. And, Jesus! And then you're looking at your bank account and you have seventeen dollars in your account, and you go, well, um, now what? And and I remember very very uh, you know kind of with. All sincerity, I said to myself, "I'm 50 years old, and I'm not done. Yeah, I haven't done. I haven't done what I wanted. 
And so I, I that's when I reinvented myself. I, 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 I started that three light, two edgy light with the overhead light approach. And, and I remember, um, you know, uh, trying uh, to, to kind of crack the code when it came to lighting. I, I, I was doing commercial ad shoots uh, and making tons of money, but I really didn't understand so, lighting that well. All right. So let's just go back. You're shooting commercially and like with the big budgets, but like, I mean, I can remember in the 90s when I was shooting, like uh, softboxes didn't exist. So commercial photography lighting was a matter of like we bounced bare bulbs into uh, um, flats. Into flats yep. uh, and there was umbrellas were starting to exist and that was the extent. That, that, was, how, that was our lighting. Is that how you – you must have been lighting your stuff like that for commercial shoots. It, it was a very different time and a very different style – so, so well, you come yeah. out of that. Well, yeah. And so so here's you have to understand something. See, today we have YouTube and we have all these tutorials mm. and we have every, everybody's open and sharing. You didn't have that in the 90s. No way. Uh, or 80s and 90s. <laughs> I mean, you asked a photographer, nah. hey, I love, I love that picture you did. How did you do it? And they would look at you like, are you kidding me? They're not going to tell you. And nobody nobody shared anything. And, no. Um, but I learned Crosslight uh, early on. Uh, got my first softbox. Did Crosslight, and and that carried me through. I did um, all of my ad campaigns with Crosslight. It's, it's still one of the most beautiful lights on the planet. Uh, so I call it cr- Crosslight. Rembrandt. Yeah, Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Yeah. So is this um, because when you were in like when you did your you did you did a photography degree right? Fine arts, so Fine no, arts. Stro- no strobes, no studio, no commercial, yep. nothing, nothing. So you learn art history, right? Uh, a lot of art, uh, a lot of art history. I studied um, the uh, the you know the master painters. Mm-hmm. I studied. Um, I did art. I mean, I mean, um, uh, I did oil painting. Uh, I did watercolor painting. I did drawing. I did all that. We that's that to get a degree in fine arts at University of Arizona. You have to take all that stuff. It's what it's called is a BFA yep. uh, in uh, studio arts with the emphasis of photography. So that's how that worked. So how do you learn photography? How did you learn out on the field? Well, so first of all, I had a studio mate who went to a photography school, uh, art center, and um, so he was he was pretty pretty good on at the at the um, Sort of the business side of photography and and the big picture. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't have, I didn't know what art director was or a creative director or an ad agency, a design firm. I didn't know any of those terms. But um, so he he really helped me on that. And I can talk more about the business side later too. But um, but he had a softbox, and so he he just said, "Oh, put this softbox like this." Now he put it at a, thir- a forty-five degree angle to the right. subject. Yeah, and and it didn't take me long because I studied art history that um, I I swung the, the the softbox over to the side and shot it cro- across. Yeah, and and I did that for twenty five thirty years, and I used to teach that, but I still didn't understand lighting. Um, and I would watch a photographer, and I'd see him use a octobox or something, or and I'd look at their pictures, and I'm like, wow, these are beautiful. And then I go buy an octobox, and I'd set it up, and my pictures sucked. So I was like, what am I doing wrong? And so it was during this time period in 2006, 7, and 8 that I said, I'm not done. 
I'm ready to reinvent myself. And I literally determined that I was going to crack the code. And I did. I cracked the code and I realized that, um, you know, why you, I could literally take any picture out of the magazine and I can tell you how they did it. Now, I don't, I can't tell you the, the brand of the softbox yeah. or it could be, it could be an octobox, a story soft light. It could be a square or a rectangular box, but I know I can tell you what direction the lights are going. I can tell you roughly how I could duplicate it and get the exact same result. Now, I couldn't do that prior to that, but now I can. And it was really just a matter of breaking and cracking the code. Now, here, let me explain something that I think I have an edge on most people, is that I'm not very smart. <laughs> and when I say that, it takes me a lot to figure something out. And in the process of me going at a snail's pace, I ended up cracking the code without all the lighting ratios, without yeah. all this technical crap that we put in front of people and try to teach them lighting. So I learned lighting from an intuitive, an emotional, yeah. it, 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 the what's what is it? Does it feel right or uh -huh. is it wrong? How do I know it's right or wrong? Well, um, if I get a book and I open the book and it says, you know, put the light here and do this, do that, or from an instructor that says how to do it, then I can produce a picture. But is it really my picture? Is it really feel right to me? Yeah. And so once I realized that there was no right or wrong. That's a big step and that I can make someone look more flattering or less flattering. So if I want to make a good living in photography, I would say that I would probably want to lean toward the more flattering side of things. And so, and so I'd start saying, okay, try this. Mm, that doesn't look very flattering. Okay, move it over. Oh, that looks more flattering. Then I go, oh, little fill cart. Oh, that looks even more flattering, right? So that's how I learned lighting was to create, um, the, you know, these... Lighting scenarios that made people look really amazing. They looked like superheroes. They looked beautiful. They were, you know, they're beautiful. But when I get done with them, they're even more beautiful. And yep. or or whatever it is that my goal is for that person. And so, so once I cracked the code, then I realized, you know what? There's no end. There is no end to what I could do. And there's not enough lifetimes for me to go and and express myself as an artist. And so. Um, that was, like I said, I was turning 50. Now I just turned 60 a year ago. I'm going to be 61 here in October. And I've had a 10-year run. And and so going back to what I was telling you is that during that transformation time um, of learning lighting, and I started doing composites. Now, mm. I had been shooting digital, but I had never done a composite. And so the reason why I did composites was because the budgets were being slashed. And so they said, well, we can't afford 25 people, you know, on a crew out to do some athlete in some stadium. Yeah. And I go, well, I can shoot it in the studio. And then I shoot the background and put the two together. And we only have a crew of three people. Yeah. And so um, almost overnight, I was launched into a whole nother side of photography. Um, and I started putting my composites out there on Flickr and a few other sites before Facebook and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people would say, you're amazing, or people would say, well, you're not a real photographer. That's, that's wrong, yes. Yeah, and, and so then I started to defend myself and say, Ansel Adams, he manipulated a picture, blah, 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 blah. And I would, I would spend an hour, you know, uh, arguing with someone about photography. And then after a year of arguing, which I'm actually a good 
good for you. <laughs> I, 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 could, I should have been an attorney, but I wasn't smart enough. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is I realized something after a year of trying to defend myself as a photographer, and I realized I was, I was defending the wrong thing. Right. I, I realized that instead of defending or trying to define what a photographer should look like and do and what tools they should use and what they should not do. If I looked at myself as an artist with a set of tools, then I opened the door for me to do whatever I wanted. And so someone would say to me, well, you know, you're not really a true photographer. And I said, yeah, you're right. I'm not. And they'd look at you like, well, what are you then? I go, I'm an artist. Right. And all of a sudden that changed everything. They shut up. Nobody yeah. argued anymore. They never had to come back at me because, you know, they could say I suck as an artist. But, you know, when you talk to photographers, they're so picky about definitions of, you know, if you put a filter on your lens, then you're manipulating the picture, you know. Yeah. And and so I found out that that everyone has got on a different, there, there's a different line in the sand for everybody that's a photographer. But with an artist, I could just say I'm an artist, got a set of tools and be done with it. Yeah, But here's the beautiful thing, and this is crazy. I never even thought possible that this would happen. Overnight, my photography exploded huh. to, a whole new, to a whole new level. Overnight, yeah. the, minute I the minute I changed my definition of who I was. And I say that is, is in, and I just did a little pod, not a podcast, but a um, um I'm recording these YouTube uh, mm. little short little teasers, I guess you'd call them. But one of the things that I think now, looking back, is that photographers, the biggest mistake is they think like photographers. Yes. And what, hap what happens is when you think like a photographer is you're, you're trying to uh, navigate within this little box. And the minute you step out, you get chastised. Yep. You know, someone says, well, you can't do that. And, and <laughs> so, <that> voice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what happens is that little voice is on your shoulder all the time. And when yeah. you start creating an image, that little voice says, you're doing it all wrong. You know, someone's going to not going to like it. They're going to criticize you. And so what I realized is that it, once I knocked that little voice off my shoulder and I said, I'm an artist, I can do whatever I want. It my the, the floodgates opened. And so so one of the things that I, I talk about is the fact that um, during that time period, I started doing pictures and I would, I would put them on a social media or I'd put them on a print on my wall. And, and people would, would look at it and they say, that's, you're, that's centered. You're not supposed to center. And I go, what? What rule says you can't? What, what, what rule says an artist can't center? You know, or they, they say something and I go, well, well, what rule? What rule are you going by? Hmm. And I, I started creating images that literally uh, was a slap in the face to the traditional approach to photography. Yeah. And you know what? They weren't that radical. Okay. They weren't really that radical. But at the time, so 10 years ago, they did, they did ca they cause some... They stood out, Joel. They yeah, they, were. They caused, yeah, they caused a stir. And, and so, um, and I didn't do that to cause a stir. What I did that was... Is just to follow my voice. I didn't. I wasn't thinking. Oh, I'm going to center this so if someone gets upset and tells me I'm doing it all wrong. I just said, look, I like this. I like centering it. I like putting this this way or doing that light this way, or you know whatever. And so um, it just opened the floodgates to me to create uh, these images. 
And what that did, as it, as it, you know, it turned out, that people wanted to know what I was doing. And so um, it opened my, my uh, opportunity to teach. And I love to teach. And I get excited about teaching. And so um, here I am 10 years later. And it's kind of a funny little, little path I've been on. But, um, you know, it, I look back and I say, I've had the time of my life the last 10 years. It's amazing. And now you, how many of your commercial clients are now attracted to that style that, 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 that you've developed and they'll come and say, we want you to do this. We want you to shoot it in your style rather than just being a, um, a, a photographer for hire, which is what happens to a lot of, you know, commercial photographers. They're asked to shoot in a certain way. Well, the best scenario you'll ever, ever want as a photographer is that a client hires you to shoot your personal work. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes. What you love to do on your weekends or whatever. Mm. And uh, the only way you're going to do that is to create personal work. And so I call it the the 50 self-assignments. And and so my portfolio is always weighted toward the self-assignments, not my commercial work or the client-paid work. And so um, um, I remember showing my work early on uh, during this trans- transformation to a photographer, very successful photographer, and he looked at my work and he said, Joel, that, that's going to put you in a, a, a box. That's going to paint you into a corner doing that style. And I said, well, yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I want to do. And he's yeah. like, but you're going to alienate all your current clients. And I said, I don't care. They're gone anyways. <laughs> I lost them all. I mean, during that 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 time period. So you yeah. look back and say the best thing ever happened to me was the economy collapsing because yeah. it forced me to go and think outside. But what happened was um, I did a lot of uh, healthcare ads prior to that. Um, I did I did a lot of testimonial um, and and um, what's testimonial? Funny? What's what's that? Well, I mean, it's like way. like for Volvo, you'd have a trucker, oh. and he'd be sitting there, and, and With his, you know, in do front a, of his truck, or whatever. Yeah, yes. Te- I call them testimonials, right? And and um, um, the the funny thing was is that all of a sudden I started getting calls from all these very what we call conservative uh, clients, yeah, wanting me to do this edgy look. Wow. And and what, what's really crazy is now here's an interesting thought, and this is an insight to. Um, why you should not think like a photographer. Um, and that is, um, see, photographers, they, they, they have this, I don't know what it is, but they think that their goal is to create the world around them, like, you know, perfect skin tones, yeah. um, you know, rend- rendering, you know, colors the way mm. you see it in the real world. And the problem is that no digital camera or film ever represents the world correctly. It's always a representation it's not the real thing in yeah. fact we think it is because we see i take a picture of aunt betty and i you know i look at the picture and i go that's aunt betty so it must be real yeah. but it's not it's a representation and so um when i do my three edge uh, or two edgy uh, overhead light uh, three light approach to sports stuff i started doing that and not because i saw it in a book or in a magazine or anywhere I just started playing with lights and I came up with it. And I told my wife, uh, Amy, I said, I think I've discovered something that's going to change my life. And I, and I said that kind of jokingly, you know. You knew, we were, you knew at that time that you, you oh, oh, struck yeah. on no, them because you would have loved yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I remember, you know, again, we had no money in the bank. The, you know, we lost uh, that time period was like, you know, we were trying to sell our house and the kids were, you know, in barefoot and, and did your, they were, you know, did your wife want, did your wife <laughs> want you to get a, a real job at some point? Did you, did you um, toy with that idea that maybe it's time to oh, let photography my, go? All my, all my, yeah, all my family members, everyone. Was that telling you to get a real job? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you didn't? They said, no, no. I said they, they said I was a fool, and I said no, I'm not. But but um, and but so. But what was it in you that made you say? Because here you go, you, you're you're a young dad. You've got the kids. You've lost the house, and you've got everyone around you. Because I know that this is a situation that a lot of the podcast listeners may be in when they're trying to have a crack at getting their photography careers off the ground. What is it inside of you that said, I'm going to keep going? Because if you look at your worth, your identity, and how much money you have in the bank, you're going to be in trouble one day. Your identity will come crashing down. My identity was not in how much money I had or how much money I made or how much money sat in the bank as my, as my support or my, my, what do you call it, nest egg or the, 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 the uh, I don't know what you, the other word I would say, but the 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 thing that's supposed to be your security. Right? Yeah. And I looked at my self worth in is in the abilities that I had developed in all those years, and the enthusiasm that I have for my the love of my craft. Hmm. That always stayed with me. So how much money in the bank doesn't change that. So so you know that's that's the problem we have is people they 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 you know your your net worth will go up and down. Always mm. does. Even even billionaires. Yes. Will, you, you'll have three billion one one day, and then the the stock market crashes, and you're only down to one billion. Only. And they'll yeah. they'll they'll literally you know go get drunk and put a gun to their head because they lost <laughs> two mil, two billion and and uh, you know um, uh, what was it? Uh, it was um, uh, who's the guy that owns Virgin? Uh, oh yeah, um, um, Branson, Branson, Richard Branson. Branson. He said, "You know how you become a millionaire? You you become a billionaire and then buy a airline company." <laughs> <laughs> so my my net my net worth isn't that much important. That's not that important to me. How how big my house is, or how many cars I have in the driveway, or boats, or whatever. My net worth my my identity in terms of as a you know profession of what I do every day is is in my creative ability. To you know, to snap a picture and that never disappeared just because the, the, the economy crashed doesn't mean that I lost that. And in fact, like I said, when I, when I came up with that three light approach to sports, I, I literally started shooting everyone I could find every kid, high school, anyone kid, didn't I, matter. Yeah. Anyone. Oh yeah. And then I went to college. I went down to the university of Arizona and I recruited uh, uh, players Football players, basketball players, uh, uh, swimmers, gymnasts, everything, and I practiced, 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 and it took me a couple of years. And the next and thing, so I did, hang on, I'll just stop you there. A couple of years, so because it's difficult for someone who uh, is starting out. Like often, people think that, like you, Joel Grimes, obviously were born with all this talent and one day you picked up a camera and then the world just bowed at your feet and off you go. And then, okay, 2006-7, lost your house, developed this three um, lighting technique 
and what you would have been maybe tinkering in your garage and you did maybe two shots, two goes at it, and then, okay, you've worked it out and you're done, which is what a lot of people think. They don't realize, and I want you to now just break it down, how much work was involved in getting that right? How many portraits did you actually take before you said, I've got it now, and it goes from being a um, – a thing that you're thinking about, the light goes here, the light goes here, and then it turns to something that's intuitive. You just know where, how it all works. You feel it rather than you're thinking about it. How many shots did you take? Well, how long does it take you to learn to juggle 12 balls? Uh, yeah, I haven't yet. I haven't mastered that. <laughs> I can do two with one hand, though, Joel. I don't want okay. to brag. Yeah, two with one hand. Uh, try 12 and then throw in a bowling ball, a, yeah. you know, a, a bowling pin, you know, a chainsaw, you know, and all that. And how long does it take somebody that does that, say, on stage in Las Vegas, how long have they been working on it? Well, so th this is what I ask people because I used to play in a band. I, uh, you know, played guitar and I sang and write and, and, and that was back when I had hair. And I was going to be a rock and roll star. And you know you learn you have to learn your 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 instrument and and uh, back then I well from sports really but I, I realized the more you practice the better you get and so so the thing that I I realized is that um, you don't so let's say I want I want to do sports subjects okay mm. and I have this lighting technique that looks pretty cool so I want to go out and build a body of work so. When, by the time I was able to do a national ad campaign with some $100 million athlete, mm. how many pictures do you think I took before I got to that point? And, and if I told you uh, 100, uh, you may think that's a lot, but no. actually it was more like 1,000. Yeah, I believe and, that. And, and so um, when people when – I, when I was doing my composites – and I would put a subject in a, in a composite background. And someone would come to me and they'd say, hey, here's my first composite. What do you think? You know, can you critique it for me? And I, I always respond by saying, well, that looks a lot better than my first composite. <laughs> um, but I say, uh, do 300 and send me your 300 composite and I'll critique yep. it for you. Yes. And, and I've been saying it for 10 years. And one guy, finally, I was I was... I was saying that I did a 10-year run. Nobody's ever sent me their 300 composite. Um, and one guy finally did. He, he said, he, he, I, I guess I believe him, he did 300. But, um, but the fact is, is that there's, there's, there's two reasons why uh, nobody sent, has sent me their 300 composite. And that's because, number one, they never made it. And number two is by the time you get to 300, you don't care what I think anymore. Exactly. And so that's the point is that um, when you take something, you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, you work out the kinks, you repeat it, you work out the kinks, and you practice it, and you practice it at night, you practice it in the morning, you practice it in high noon, you practice it in every scenario possible, and then one day you go, you know what, I got this down, and then you go, and you, 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 they throw something at you, a commercial at you, and you, and you deliver it, and people go, you're a genius, and you go, no, I just, my confidence is not in my talent, but in the fact that I've practiced it enough. To know how to do it and, and, and do it quickly and do it, you know, efficiently and, and get their end result that I want. And so 
Um, last summer, I spent 100 days on the road going across America. Um, I put on 13,000 miles. Amazing. And and I I photographed over 100, 100 uh, Harley-Davidson riders mm. and about 100 Harley-Davidson bikes. Um, and when I picked up a guy who, who ended up being my assistant for the summer, um, and I, I say this a lot, by the way, because um, I've told this story a couple of times yeah. uh, as I speak, but um, his name was Brad. I said, Brad, I get in the car and I said, we're going to be gone for 100 days on the road. And I said, it's going to take me 100 portraits before I figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. And he looks at me because, you know, I'm Joel Grimes, right? He's like, exactly. what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And I said, just watch me. And so when you first photograph a Harley Davidson rider, I, you know, I apply all the stuff that I've learned about, you know, lighting and all that stuff. Um, but I don't know Harley Davidson riders. That's so just I, just to go back know. there, Joel, when you're approaching, when you're doing this, uh, it was a hundred day trip. Uh, are you setting up the shots in advance, or are you nope. just rocking up into town, going right? Which way is the Harley Davidson driver rider? Yep. Is yep. that how you find yeah. it? Okay, so yeah. going that, back a step. Some, yeah. What's your it, sorry? What's well, your what's your line? What what are you saying? What's your opening line? Because. Uh, I, I've worked with these types of guys. They're intimidating. Uh, and what do you say? What's the first thing to say? And, and um, well, what's see, the difference I, now yeah, between did, when you started? Well, so back 20 years ago, I did a book on the Navajo Indians. I spent mm. um, 400 days in two years photographing them on the reservation. And I learned some amazing techniques on recruiting. Yeah. And human being, human behavior is extremely predictable. And so once you learn how humans think and how they work, you can navigate through life pretty easily. And so number one, when I, when I photograph the Navajo, number one thing I learned is don't ever act like you know what their, what their culture is. Okay. You don't say, oh, yeah, I know. I read a book on Navajos, and I know all about Navajos. Well, they'll throw you off as quick as you can get that statement out. So be so humble. Be very humble. Mm -hmm. And then I'm extremely enthusiastic about what I love, which mm -hmm. is creating amazing portraits. So I tell somebody, let's say a Harley Rider. I come up to a Harley Rider, tattooed all over the place. Looks like he's going <laughs> to chop my head off. <laughs> and I say, hi, I'm Joel Grimes. I'm a photographer. And they don't know who I am from no. Jack, whatever, right? So I say, I am doing a project photographing Harley Davidson riders across America. And I would love to photograph you. And I can guarantee you that I will get a portrait of you that probably is going to be the best picture ever taken of you. Right. And... I say it may not happen, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can to make a pic. And I show I, I pull out some pictures and I go, wow, seriously, you can do that? You can make me look like that? And I go, absolutely. And so it's the and, and I don't assume I know anything about what their, their culture is. Like they're in, they're in clubs. There's laws and then and within club members and gangs and all. They don't call themselves gang members, but club writers and and outlaw clubs and stuff. Um, you know, I don't want to say something that 
again, would get me in trouble or they'd just look at you and go, you're an idiot. Yeah. And so um, I assume uh, I'm, I'm, you know, just humble, but I love what I do and I'm really good at what I do and I want to make sure that I get something that's epic. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, um, 98% of the time they say yes. Um, 98%. Or, or whatever. It's, it's yeah. very high because mm-hmm. um, I have the work to back it up and, um, you know, my enthusiasm and my ability to sell my confidence. Mm. And so uh, they look at you and say, hmm, okay, give it a shot. And, and um, how long did they give you, Joel? Well, so when I did the, um, the portraits against the gray backdrop, I was setting that, gay, that, that gray backdrop up in rallies and back of alleys and in, mm. I mean, side of biker bars and everything like that. So the actual time of shooting that was pretty, pretty quick. It might be, you know, like five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, um, when I shoot the bikes, that's a lot more involved. And so, um, but, um, but again, um, yeah, I'm very quick. I work very fast and, and then you reevaluate what you did wrong and you go and adjust it. And the next time you don't make that mistake again, and then you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And so when I got done after a hundred days on the road, I said to my assistant, I think I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> and so you know, again, and it, and it kind of shows in the pictures where that it's like, okay, yeah, now I understand what, I, you know, the approach, the ideas, you know, what I want to, you know, portray, the whole project starts to come together. But, um, but so that's what I would say to, to uh, photographers that are starting out or not just starting out that, that want to go do a project. Um, number one, you got to set aside the time. Now, yeah. who has a, who has a hundred days of being on a road? That's pretty yeah. tough, right? And it cost me about $30,000 of my own money. Who's got that money laying around, right? So mm. you, have to, you have to set up the time. You have to set up the resources and the commitment. Now, now I want you to think about something. So, so I'm pretty, pretty dedicated to my craft. Um, if you, if you, you did your little road trip. You, know, you said you came to America and yeah. did a road trip. But you do any road trip. I mean, two weeks on the road, it's pretty exhausting. Yes. Try 100 days. Mm. I it's can't a, imagine. <laughs> it's a grind. It's a grind. And mm. but again, because of the love of my craft and the, the so what I like is that around every corner could be the most incredible photograph that you've ever taken. Mm. So I'm always looking for that adventure and that that moment, that found moment that's going to be there around the corner. So the only way I'm going to get there is I got to get around that corner. And yep. so I can't wait to get up in the morning, get out and shoot and try, you know, fail. And there's sometimes you go four or five days without taking one picture, and it's like so really. Is that because you haven't found someone in four or five days? Yes, uh, you're Gosh. recruiting. Yeah, wow. It's, it's, it's you know, you're driving and you're recruiting, and you know you you get you you get uh, someone says, well, there's a rally over here, and you get there, and and then it's not there, and you know it's like you're chasing you know chasing things that sometimes don't exist, and so um, it is very it is can be very uh, you know frustrating, but. Um, again, uh, I love what I do. So, but you got to practice. Theme. There's a theme, Joel, that runs through your life, and I think it's common to all successful artists. And that's like, um, you you get knocked down seven times, and you you get up on the eighth, and and so like you've got this passion and curiosity and this childlike sense of wonder. I just. I know we've gone into the um, self-assignments. There's one story that you, you've told that I would love our listeners to hear, and that is about, uh, again, and it's on this theme, 
like when you when you first broke into commercial advertising and you took your folio out and you just took it to the the first art director you weren't you weren't um welcomed with open arms were you what was that first experience like and what was the advice of your friend Steve that also changed well, your life you would have to bring that up huh I, well, I think it's the best and <laughs> no, most just, inspiring I'm story just, you've ever told, Joel. I think I it's know, amazing. I, I'm, I'm joking when I say that because yeah. it was an extremely emotional dejection and rejection or whatever you want to call it. But yes. basically, um, it, it, the story goes like this. And you know, I'm, I'm budding up with a guy. We went to Denver, Colorado to start to chase our dream, right? To be photographers. And... And uh, we worked on our portfolios together. We got this really cool kind of a, uh, a case you put them in. It was custom made. And we had these boards that had our names embossed on, you know, Joel Grimes. And I was so excited. And, I, and we had our, our, our images were uh, duped. They were in a, take a lab. You take a 35 millimeter or medium format and you dupe it up to like an 8 by 10 transparency. Which cost, you know, like at the time maybe thirty bucks, which was like, I a think lot. my car, my car cost a hundred bucks. You know, <laughs> it's like it was, they were very expensive, and so you know we were all excited. We got the book together. I finally got my first portfolio, and it was a creative director at this big agency, and I didn't know what a creative director was. Um, I didn't know the difference between a creative director and an art director, but so I got in there, and before on the phone, I had said that I had just moved to Denver. And I just graduated, and that's more information you're supposed to give, you know, when you go on cold calls. Don't give a lot of information. Uh, right. But, but anyway, um, so I walked in. He looked at the first, you know, board, whatever. He said, why would you move to Denver? And I said, oh, you know, uh, the beautiful mountains or whatever. He's like, he looks at the second board and he says, well, do you know how many photographers uh, have a business license in the Denver County? And I said, No. He said, over 2,000. So what he was telling me was that there was a lot of competition, young man. And why do you think you can make it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, whatever. And then he got to the fourth board and he said, I got some advice for you. And I'm like, what? He said, I think you should move back to Tucson. And I remember I had 35 boards. I scooped them all up, put them in the case, walked out, and I hit that pavement. And I had a lump in my throat and yeah. tears in my eyes. And I got in my little Volkswagen van, and I it was only about a four or five minute drive to back to the studio. And I was just dejected. I, I would, the whole way I was driving, I said, "I'm done. I can't do this. I'm, you know." And my dad was a fireman. He ended up fire chief of Tucson. I had two brothers that were firemen, and my dad always said, "Son, you know, you should be a fireman. It's a secure job, you know." And I, my, my, my line was always dead. I'm, I'm going to go chase my dream. Yeah. And so that dream shattered. It was <laughs> gone. <laughs> and I walked in the studio and my friend Steve looks at me and he's like, how'd it go? And I think you could tell because yeah. my eyes were probably still red. And I said to Steve, I'm done. I can't do this. That was a disaster. And I'm heading back to Tucson. And he looked at me and uh, it was just the absolute most brilliant thing someone could say. And he said, you're going to let one person steal your dream? I love that. And I, and I said, 
yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he kept repeating it. You're going to let one person steal your dream. And I go, I know it sounds crazy. And he kept saying it. You're going to let one person steal your dream. Well, luckily he rescued me and I stayed. And um, there's the beauty of having someone that understands the industry and the wisdom to not let you sneak away and give up. And you, cr- and we- you crack the code. Did you, like, so from there, what's, um, how, many, how many times did you show your portfolio before someone said, hey, I'm going to gr- give you a, a break here? How many times? Well, here's the interesting side thing of that story. Um, so I was out, I didn't have, I was not a portrait photographer at that time. Mm. So, so I was a, shooting architecture and I had, I got my first job was a golf course doing some pictures for the golf course. And then, um, you know, I mean, I had a few jobs and so, so barely, barely eating. I mean, when I say barely eating, I mean, we were pretty much starving and, um, a year went by. I know this is the craziest story. I'm telling you, this is, it, it gets better. A year went by and my friend Steve says to me, you got to go back to that agency that almost stole your dream. And I said, yes, with a brick and a note tied to that brick. <laughs> and I'm going to throw it through the front window. And I remember driving past that building and my blood pressure and my, I'd start to sweat, you know, and I'd get that emotions of rejection all over again. And um, so, so he said, no, it's like you know, when you fall off a horse, you got to get back on that horse. Yeah. And then he said, you got to go back. And I and I was like, just to, whatever. I said, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I called up. I got an art director this time, and I, I called her like six times. She kept putting me off, putting me off, putting me off. But I, by then, I'd learned how to do. I call the power of eight. Um, I just kept pounding people. But anyways, did you just explain the power of eight for for those who are don't don't not aware of it? Well, the power of eight is. Um, you get your name into the brain of the person you want to hire you. So you send you send a packet out, and then you make a phone call, and then you send a packet out, and you make a phone what, call. So so what's in the ma- packet? What's in the packet? Uh, oh, chocolate like, you know, cookies or, or no, your no, no, images? No. Your images, like a little <laughs> right. a, a real nice little promo that's got you know handmade. Usually, it's handmade, very delicate, beautiful, and it's you know not too expensive. It's like maybe ten dollars it costs you to put it together. Yeah, and then you got to you know put a stamp on it, get it get it to them, and then you make the phone call, and then they 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 usually today you just get voicemail, so I just leave a voicemail saying, hey, this is Joel Grimes, I sent you a little packet, and I just want to you know meet you in person and talk about your needs in photography, and again here's my name and phone number, so it's called the power of eight. By the time you get eight of those in front of them, your name gets in their brain, and when you get their name your name in their brain. Your credibility goes up. Now, it's a phenomenal thing. They've done a lot of tests on this. And so so this is advertising, really, in a nutshell. But what happens is, is when someone has to make a choice, right, between product A, product B, so Pepsi and Coca-Cola, right? Mm. And um, when, when that Coca-Cola, which are they're the masters of marketing, when they get Coca-Cola in your brain, and then you go to the store to make a choice, you usually go, well, Coca-Cola is much better than Pepsi because it's in there somehow. How did it get in there? You don't even know. Yeah. It's in your brain. So when it comes to photographers, you know, the, the the art buyer, art director, or somebody that's making a decision, they go, 
Joel Grimes, uh, he's in there somehow. I don't know how he got in there, but he must be really good, right? And so I always say that that getting my name in the brain of the right person is a thousand times more important than how good my photography is. Right. So anyway, I, I kept calling this lady, kept calling. Finally, she said, no, you're not going to give up. So she, she has me come in and I get in that building. I'm like literally sweating. You know, it's probably, you know, cold winter time, but I'm sweating, you know, because it's bringing back all these memories. But what happened was I went down, we, we sat down in this conference room and I looked at, I showed my portfolio and I had all architecture stuff and, you know, no people. And she says to me, she says, you know, I need a mom, dad, two kids on a couch inside of an interior. We have a client that, that builds beautiful homes. And I need this like kind of like an architecture shoot, but with a mom and dad and two kids sitting on a couch. Do you think you could do that? And I go, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I didn't know anything about strokes, yeah. right? And, and she says, I'm going to give you a shot. And so she, she you know, sets it up, and I go back to my friend Steve. Help! I didn't know how to shoot a portrait. <laughs> And so um, he kind of, you know, gave me a little bit of uh, coaching. And then I did that shoot and I'm setting up, I had a medium format. It was the Mamiya RB and I'm, I'm setting everything up and I'm trying to put the Polaroid back onto the camera. And as I'm getting the, just as I'm starting to get, it's kind of a hard little thing to get yeah. lined up and get down yeah. there. And just as I'm trying to get, to put that on, I hear this voice and it was that, creative director oh no <laughs> he showed up he showed the one up that rejected it, you yeah he shows up and he says oh what's going on here and i'm like look up and i see him and oh my gosh i, oh. I was, gonna, was gonna pee my pants and i was trying to get that back on and i couldn't i was shaking so hard right and he comes over and he's, he he looks at me he says i'm franz Canell. what's your name who are you? And I said, oh, I'm the photographer, Joel Grimes. And he says, have we ever met before? And I said, not that I can remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the funny thing. They gave me 15 ads completely wow. on that campaign. Wow. The, the ad agency that almost stole my dream launched my people career. That's amazing. And he didn't even remember you. So you just got him on a bad day, right? Well, so here's the end of the story. 18 years later, I had moved away from Denver. I moved to Tucson. I was shooting national ad campaigns everywhere. And I went back to Denver. We visited family and everything. And I went back to my lab that I'd always used. And I just wanted to say hi to all the people. And I'm standing at the counter and, and this guy walks in. And I had worked for that agency for 10 years. And he goes, Joel. How are you doing? I said, oh, great. And he says, I hear all these great things you're doing, and you have had an amazing career. And I said, oh, I got a story to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, you did me a favor 18 years ago. And he said, what? He said, yeah, you were the very first portfolio show I ever had. And he goes, I did? I goes, I don't, I don't remember that. I go, yeah, you told me to get out of photography. He goes, I did? And I said, yeah, you did. And I was in tears and I almost quit. And I said, but I didn't let one person steal my dream. And he goes, I must have been having a bad day. And I said, well, yeah. But I said, you know, actually, you did me a huge favor. And he goes, how's that? And I said, well, you see, you rejected me to the point where I almost quit. And I had to make a decision. 
Was I willing to chase my dream and be and be rejected and risk the, risk the the uh, you know the chance of being rejected rejected? And I had to say yes, I'm willing to do that. And I said, you know what? It's never hurt. I've never had a rejection that hurt as much as the first one. And I said, I got you. Got it. You maybe get it out of the way. And so when you think about that story, it's really phenomenal because. You know, we look at that rejection as a, as a bad thing, but really became a good thing. And I've had some doozies since then. I mean, yeah. some really rude art directors that you just want to slap, you know, because they're so stupid. Yeah. And But I just walk out with a big old smile on my face and go, ain't nothing like the first one, man. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, and, and rejection is a guarantee. You can't avoid it. I don't care if you're Bill Gates' daughter or son or whatever – Paul McCartney's daughter or whatever that, you know, in the real world, you're going to be rejected and it's going to hurt. And you've got to learn that you have to deal with that and move on and don't let it get to you. And it's just part of life. And so once you get that in your head, you go, eh, it's okay. No, I got rejected. No big deal. Exactly. That's such fantastic advice, and I think that that's um, that it, that doesn't inspire everyone to get out there. Then I, I don't know what will. Um, Joel, what's next for you? What, what's what's the next assignment? Well, um, my goal right now is I do about depends about four to six big ad campaigns a year, mm. and then maybe about uh, you know four or five smaller jobs. And yep. then that 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 gives me enough money to go and do what I want to do and raise my you know while my kids are raised now but yep. live and then the rest of the time I just teach and I'm Canon Explorer of Light. Um, I, they've got me running all over the place uh, doing yep. uh, talks and workshops and I've been on just about everything out there uh, from Creative Live to you name it and um, I feel like I'm on a campaign to get this message out which is. Uh, you know, be an artist, live your dream, create an income. And I just launched the Joel Grimes Academy. It's joelgrimesacademy.com. And I've got over 100, 100 uh, tutorials with 35 hours of training. And we've got a community called the Sync Up Cafe. And you can get on there and get to know other photographers. And it's just an opportunity to grow. And I talk all about this stuff I just talked about. From the, you know, learning how to light to how to function in the real world, being an artist and the business side and how to put in bids and usage rights and, uh, you know, all these things that we got to know. And I've been doing this, like I say, on the commercial advertising side for, you know, 35 plus years. And um, I have what I hope is considered wisdom in this industry. Yes. And I want people to succeed. I, I, you know, this is to my detriment in some ways. Um, I relish in people's success because I just had so much fun doing this. Why would I hold back and say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to, to show you how I did, how I, you know, did this or how I succeeded in this"? I just love teaching, and um, you know, so it's it's just kind of like this. I, I get the best of both worlds because I'm still shooting commercially, but I also yeah. go out and, and I get to inspire people, and I get inspired by people too. That are yeah. as I meet new people, I'm always meeting fun people. Yeah, and that That's love the craft. So. It's good. That's fantastic, Joel. And you are, you're an inspiration. Your work is brilliant. And I, and I think, yeah, it's uh, well worth uh, checking out all those sites. And I 
thank you so much. It's it's been a joy chatting you with you today, and I wish you great success and continued success. I look forward to seeing um, your work out there. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Wow, cool, Joel Grimes. That was a great chat, Gina. I'm, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. I loved it. Thank, I loved uh, listening to his stories. It's just fantastic. So thank you again, Joel. That was uh, amazing. I love how he spends so much time and, and investment, as in money, on, on his own personal projects. It's, it's oh, just I know. Um, it's, that's so, awesome. so interesting. You would think that, uh, you know, you get to a certain level and you can just uh, uh, coast and not have to continue to invest in your own education or doing things like that. But no, mm. the higher you go, the better you get the more reason there is to keep discovering new and better ways to um, to to show your work. So, and that's yeah. what he's doing. He, he he talks the talk. What's the word? Walks the walk. Talks the talk. Yeah, he does absolutely. What he says. Anyway, so it's fantastic. So, if any listeners want to check out Joel Grimes, you just go to joelgrimesworkshops.com. All right. So, what are you doing until we chat again, Gina? So it's very busy in the world of television. So I'm doing, I've been doing a lot of car shoots. So I've got like heaps of that going on. I also right mm. now, uh, as soon as I hang up from you, Val, I've got a, uh, a a mastermind and ask me anything with the gold members. So we'll be recording that and we've got yeah, cool. uh, some, some great topics that we're going to cover. What about you? I am oh, doing so many things. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I've got too many things on my to-do list. <laughs> I said yes to too many things. I know yeah. I'm, not, I'm now paying for it. So <laughs> I need to perhaps, um, yeah, be a bit more of a person what I say yes to. So this is nothing new, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm looking forward to the mastermind as well. Lots of gold that you always drop in these Ask Me Anythings for the Gold members. And if you'd like to find out more about the gold community, go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community to find out more. So where else do we find you online apart from dreamandmilitia.com? So I'm uh, active on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, so it's at Gina Militia, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A for both of those. And also a uh, fantastic place to uh, where you and I both hang out regularly is the Facebook podcast community yes. so you can so check that out if you want to join us it's free to join the facebook listener community just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on facebook and request to join we'd love to have you in there it's an awesome group of people from all over the world thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.